everybody. It's the Clarification Podcast. I'm your host, James Clary, along with my friend, Russell West. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? Good to see you. Give me dogs. Yeah. Give me dogs. Yeah, always <laughs> good to called? see you, brother. Yeah, you didn't Give me dog. I thought it was bone. Give me bone. Oh, I've heard Knuckles. that, too. I Look, I'm an old guy, <laughs> you know. Me, it was probably dogs. dogs back in 1994. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So, <laughs> we... Uh, you know, we've had a lot of information come out in, about the Russian-Ukraine crisis just in the last few days, and I, I thought it was worth going into giving you my spin and providing the audience with a historical perspective about the players involved, about the ideologies involved, and what these particular groups are trying to push. So I want to start with playing a, a clip. Now, this was from a recent Senate I think it was the Senate Foreign Relations uh, Committee, and they're interviewing Victoria Newland, and I may get her title wrong, but I think she's the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs. She's being questioned by Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, who, uh, well, we'll get into him in a minute, but he asks her very directly, does Ukraine have bioweapons labs? And this is her answer. Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman. Mr. All Chairman. right, Chairman. Victoria Newland, our old friend. We've talked about her before in regards to Ukraine. If you remember, she is the one who was uh, surreptitiously recorded and a phone call was released of her basically talking about the Maidan revolution in 2014 that we've already done a, a show on and identified it. It was actually a Western-backed coup where our side took out the democratically elected president in Ukraine. And it was done with black operatives who ended up shooting, killing 100 people. It was a, it was a really bad deal. In essence, the U.S. led an illegal coup coup in Ukraine and her phone call proves it let's play that that's video number two and this is the phone call recorded and released uh you had it that first time there buddy right there by Victoria Newland. 2014 as the Maiden crisis was getting more violent there was a phone call that was intercepted it was a call between the assistant secretary of state for European affairs Victoria Newland, and the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine Jeffrey Pyatt Questions of credibility are being raised after a private chat between two top U.S. diplomats was leaked online. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tani Book on the outside. 
I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, it, I, think that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? Here's the next step. Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. So you had this remarkable phone call where you have these two senior officials of the U.S. government apparently talking about a coup or how they were planning to restructure the government of Ukraine. Fuck the EU. No, exactly. I'm not saying the whole oh. U.S. government feels that yeah. way. The, there's, there is division on this, but the neoconservative element wants very much to change the strategic dynamic. So, you know, the, the big news was... In early February. The fact that she said, fuck the EU, that really had nothing to do with it. You yeah. Know, I mean, it was the fact that she, they were discussing the But it's the still coup. a powerful... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's I, like, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and you noticed right. he used a word there, and I'm going to talk about this. Is This is how I want to set this up. He used the term neoconservative, and you hear yeah, that thrown that around yeah. a lot. So I actually decided, I pulled a definition. So a neoconservative is uh, abbreviated as neocon is part of a u.s based political movement rooted in liberal cold war anti-communism and a backlash to the social liberation movements of the 60s and 70s these liberals drifted toward conservatism thus they are new conservatives they favor an aggressive unilateral foreign u.s policy they, or excuse me, U.S. foreign policy, they generally believe that elites protect democracy from mob rule. Sometimes the spelling is neoconservative. So neoconservatives uh, have been around, it really, like it says, it was a reaction to the 60s and the 70s and the hippie movement and the free social. These, mm -hmm. these were liberals that didn't agree with that. And they basically, they felt, number one, the Soviet Union was their main enemy, the Cold War. And they, you know, these were the people behind the CIA, CIA psyops and actions that we've talked about mm -hmm. in Europe uh, that continually pushed the anti-communist message. These people have carried on, and they're the same people that were behind 9-11. It was Bush, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld. These are classic neocons. These same people are still in power. Uh, you could say Joe Biden, to a certain effect, is a neocon. As a matter of fact, what I think one of the most interesting things in that is, you notice how they mentioned Biden? Yeah, yeah, they did. Biden was named by Obama. This was under the Obama administration. This was in 2014 when the Maidan revolution happened. So Biden was the special envoy to Ukraine as vice president. Now, we also need to keep in mind that... Joe Biden's son was named a director and sat on the board of Burisma, the largest oil energy company in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And we know that he was paid, I, if I memory serves me correctly, he was paid, I think, I don't know, somewhere in the hundred to $300,000 a month just for sitting on the board. That's without doing any work. Of course, all his travel was covered, et cetera, et cetera. We know from the Hunter Biden laptop that he was shaking these Ukrainian officials down for major bucks. Look, his dad and his dad said, oh, I never discussed business dealings with Hunter, which is total bullshit. He flew to Ukraine on Air Force Two, the vice president's jet, a number of times. 
And we also have that clip of, uh, let's go ahead and play this now, because sure. I think it's relative, of Joe Biden. Now, let me set this up. There was a special, there, you know, Ukraine's a very corrupt com- country, like we are and like most nations are, but there were factions in the Ukrainian government that saw the corruption in Burisma, this energy company that Hunter Biden sat on the board. And they, uh, a special prosecutor was named. He started an investigation into Burisma. Now, I want to know what interest is it of the United States whether a prosecutor is investigating an energy company in a foreign land? Mm-hmm. This is Biden talking about how he pressured the Ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, right, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to, or we're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired and they put in place someone who was solid you know uh, it's so hilarious to watch that now he was so proud as a peacock of oh, you what tell. he did he got me a little bit son of a bitch Said, son <laughs> of a, a bitch smirk out of that so you know and of course this is all ca- everything you're seeing coming out of russia ukraine from western media and from russian media is couched in propaganda we know that sure so so they couch this as the prosecutor was corrupt not Burisma, not not this huge energy company that we know was paying foreign officials all over the place. They weren't corrupt. The prosecutor was corrupt. So Biden dangled the billion dollars, and they fired the guy. So this is a full admission of us interfering in the internal now, affairs that be of a foreign country. As a quid pro quo kind of exactly, exactly <laughs> what they accused Trump of, and many people brought that up during the Trump impeachment over the Ukraine call. They said, "Wait a minute." You're accusing Trump because Trump, you know what the phone call was about, Russell? It was about this very thing. Trump called and said, look, you might want to look into Joe Biden's dip. Trump knew all this. He had the intel. He said, you might want to look into Biden's business dealings in Ukraine. That was the essence of the quid pro quo that he was impeached for. Just wild to me that he did that and then... Trump got impeached, and yeah. then now we're watching him do the same thing, and then bragging about and it. And did it before at the Trump, Relations right? Meeting. Right, right. I know it's insane. So. I mean, it's insane to me. So back to the neocon. I'm going to try. There's so much information here, and I, you know, I've got to kind of keep it, uh, got to keep it centered. So the neoconservatives were very influential, particularly after George Bush. Uh, some of the really important ones were Paul Wolfowitz, which I know you've heard that name, Richard Pearl, David Wurzmer, and Elliot Abrams and Douglas Fife. But Billy, Bill, not Billy Crystal, William Crystal, who was the son of Irving Crystal. Irving Crystal was one of the first uh, really organizers of the neoconservative movements. So all of these 
organizations. They're called NGOs, non-governmental organizations. Which we kind of spoke about in the last episode. We did. They have, you know, they're think tanks. The Brookings Institute is one of them. And they're very much allied with the neoconservative movement. So, and that's why you see people talk about the Uniparty. You know how, I mean, I don't you find it strange, and I do, that, that Bill Clinton, George Bush, and Barack Obama all seem to be super tight. It and, is odd. And buddy buddies. And Biden's part of that group, too. They're all neocons. Yeah, some of them are Democrats, some of them are Republican. It makes no difference. They all share the same philosophy that the U.S., and basically it's summed up like this, the United States, whenever possible, should use whatever means, militarily, uh, from an intelligence standpoint, psyops, to further democracy across the world. That's, that's how they couch it. Right, but it's not necessarily democracy that they're no. couching. It's well, their no, own interest. <laughs> because Ukraine democratically elected a president. We staged a coup to kick him out. So that's not democracy. But because the president had pro-Russian leanings, these guys can't get over the fact of the Soviet Union. That's Well, I'm wondering, because it, it's like a little brother syndrome kind of a thing. Like, we just want to keep Russia down in a way. Right. We just, we, we're not willing to give them any kudos for anything they do. Well, Russia's not communist anymore. They need to get over it. Yeah, but they're stuck on it. They can't. I know. They can't just leave it alone. Exactly. And you know, not saying that Putin's a great guy by any means, but he's, he's a dictator. He's caught in the middle of this uh, little brother syndrome that America has over him, and they're just gonna keep bullying him until until he gets big enough to fight back. Which he which he is, and it's what he's doing now. We're gonna get into all this because the news that has come out. We started with that first clip about Newland talking about the bioweapons lab. Now, it's important to note before we go on that Victoria Newland's husband is a guy named Robert Kagan. Robert Kagan is one of the top dogs in the neoconservative movement. He's a writer, historian, and he's based out of the Brookings Institute, which I brought up before. Um, He's a longtime proponent of aggressive, interventionist U.S. foreign policy. He's played a major role in influencing the neoconservative agenda. He's also one of the host neoconservatives who vocally criticized Donald Trump, who Kagan has called the most successful demagogue charlatan in the history of U.S. politics. So I think that's kind of important to note. Neocons hated Trump. Now, why is that? Because Trump, starting in his campaigns, he, he said a thousand times, I think the United States ir- interfering in foreign countries and, and using our military might to push regime change is wrong. He didn't agree with it. Well, that's the whole aim of the neoconservatives. Use the United States military, use our psyops, uh, use anything at our disposal to push for Western ideas. And look, it's the neoconservatives. That movement wasn't really founded until after Reagan and after the Soviet Union fell. And I think we brought up in our original show in Ukraine that in 91, when the Soviet Union fell and it was broken up into all these countries, we had major meetings with the Soviet Union with Germany was very involved because they wanted to reunify the East and the West Germans. 
James Baker, who was then Secretary of State under Ronald Reagan, promised Boris Yeltsin, who was the president of the Soviet Union at the time, and I, I'm sure we brought this up, but he promised Yeltsin that NATO and the West would not, this is a quote, wouldn't move one inch towards the East. Well, fast forward 10 years, 16 new former Soviet countries had joined NATO. So this has all been leading up to this Ukraine war, and I think we laid that out pretty well. And if you haven't seen that episode, I would suggest you go back and watch it because we get into very specifics. What pushed Putin into this? We're not Putin apologists. Not at all. Not at all. We think he's a dictator to a certain degree. He's certainly ruthless, and he's certainly a nationalist more than anything. He promotes Russian ideology, which, you know, sometimes... Uh, sometimes disagrees with Western philosophy, but sometimes it doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of people, and I'm one of them, that really think Putin is doing a favor because he's uncovering some of the corruption that's been going on in NATO and the West. And now this bombshell, that clip we played of Newland admitting that there were bio labs in Ukraine and the United States is concerned of some of the materials falling into Russian hands. So what the hell is she talking about? From my understanding, there is a, uh, from my, what I gather from media is that there was a, uh, there's not, but there's supposed to be a bioweapons lab or something to that effect in Ukraine. There's 12 and of them. They've denied it and denied it and denied it, but clearly now. Well, yeah, they, at first our position was there's no such labs. Then we said, well, yeah, Ukraine has some, but they're just doing, you know, research. The One of the later things is, oh, no, they're all for vaccine research. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Vaccine research. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, if so people started checking government records. Okay, in 2010, the Department of Defense crowed with this huge memo and press release how they were in partnership with the Ukrainian Ukrainian government building a level three bioweapons lab in Odessa in the southern part of Ukraine. Okay, level three is the highest, most dangerous type of lab. And we know that they had anthrax, they had hemorrhagic fever virus and all kinds of stuff. Now, somebody else made the point that Many of the existing labs in Ukraine were left over from the Soviet Union. And that they just, Ukrainian, when they got their independence from the Soviet Union after they fell, just kept these labs. Well, guess what? Their freezers were full of this shit. Smallpox, polio. I mean, any of the most horrific diseases that you could think of. And I heard one, one journalist claim, well, scientists being scientists, they couldn't resist keeping those agents in the freezer they didn't destroy them all of this stuff was supposed to have been destroyed by stuff i mean by uh, dangerous biohazards who was responsible for destroying them well you know? i think it was a collaboration between uh the united states the Euro it wasn't the european union at the time but the nato uh and the soviet union they you know, the former to... soviet union yeah an agreement mm -hmm. to destroy these bioweapons well it just didn't happen and how they built new ones. Why is that? Look, Ukraine isn't even a NATO member. Why the hell are we building bioweapons labs in Ukraine? Plausible deniability. What do you mean? That they can say, well, they weren't, we're not that close with Ukraine. They're doing that on their own. Yeah, but they announced it. That's what I'm saying. They're so stupid. Now they have, but. You no, know. no, no. This was in 2010. Oh, really? 
The one in Odessa was 2010. When was that video? That was just recent, though, right? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. But okay. I'm saying, but I'm saying is, if you look at the historical track record, the DOD never denied it that we were in partnership with it. It was just recently. Uh oh, Russia invades Ukraine. Well, they start talking about the Biden. You remember three weeks ago, maybe in that first show that we did about Ukraine. If you mentioned bioweapons labs in Ukraine, you were called a conspiracy theorist. They denied it outright. Said, no, there's no bioweapon labs. What The reason that was a bombshell is that that is a high-ranking government official, a U.S. admitting that there are bioweapon labs. And if there wasn't dangerous, I get into a Twitter storm with somebody, said, oh, well, these are just research labs, you know studying everyday things and i go no they're holding very dangerous materials like anthrax well a level three lab is that it's not level three unless they have smallpox anthrax right hemorrhagic fever dengue fever whatever dangerous viruses dangerous chemicals so i just think it's hilarious that the u.s denied it so then their second step was say well there's these labs, but, you know, there's nothing dangerous. Now they're concerned that the Russian might get their hands on it. I mean, the latest news, I'm going to back up and give you a little more, uh, little more history, but the latest news is yesterday the Soviet Union called an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Russia. Council. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no problem. See, I get caught up into it. <laughs> So, yeah, the Russia, their foreign minister called an emergency meeting of the United Nations, uh, the U.N. Security Council, to discuss, get this, U.S. military involvement in bioweapon labs and research in Ukraine. And as far as I know, that meeting is still going on. It's probably ended now, but it was going on this morning. I actually watched a little bit of it. And look, the Soviet Union is saying that, you know, when it's to our advantage, we love the United Nations. You know what I'm saying? Our leaders, oh, we, we think, you know, they're great. Yeah, so there it is. Pull that up. U.S. Read calls some emergency of meeting of U.N. Security Council to demonstrate U.S. biolab evidence. Um, let's see. According to the Russian mission uh, to the U.N. Yeah, the Russian UN, mission. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Russian military forces have uncovered conclusive proofs that U.S. military have been engaged in developing deadly pathogens and biological weapons and biolabs in Ukraine for decades. Russia says they have proof of the U.S.-funded labs in Ukraine doing research. One, bat coronavirus, God. and two, using migratory birds to spread biological weapons. So, look, you can say, all right, this is false. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly that's what the, the U.S. is denying this. As a matter of fact, we have that uh, clip from Jen Psaki. Let's play that. Yeah. Jen Psaki is the press secretary for President Biden, and she was asked about this. Of inventing outright lies like this, which is the suggestion that the United States has a chemical and biological weapons program, or Ukraine does, that they're operating. Russia is the one, is the country that has a chemical and biological weapons program. So uh, 
the objective uh, was to uh, make clear uh, the inaccuracy of the information, the misinformation they're trying to put out, uh, and make clear to the world that they not only have the capacity, they have a history of using chemical and biological weapons, and that uh, in this moment we should have... Okay, this is critical. We have two clips from high-ranking government officials that completely contradict each other. She just said the U.S., Ukraine do not have or operate biological chemical warfare programs. In the first clip we played, Victoria Newland said, we're worried that the Russians are going to capture and use these weapons that we have in Ukraine, basically, that the Ukrainians have. She didn't say that we have. She said that the Ukrainians have. But well, we've already shown that the U.S. was in collaboration, the DOD, uh, really, and there's there's all all kinds of evidence. Look on the the embassy website, the United States Ukrainian embassy website. They had posted about our ongoing partnership with Ukraine in advancing biological research. So guess what? When Russia invaded. All of that information was scrubbed from the Ukrainian embassy. What, yeah, right there. It was scrubbed from the Ukrainian embassy website. And every, apparently everything was burned, and they all left the embassy. So there's an article you just pulled up. There's, I've done a lot of research on this. They completely scrubbed everything from their website and people have have taken captures and uh, archive.org there's pictures of the different uh, posts about our research with ukraine uh it's it's ridiculous i mean the u.s basically just caught with got caught with their pants down and putin completely exposed them so let's look into the idea jen saki saying well it's russia that has a history of using biological weapons, right? And what's she referring to? So what does this say? Well, this is someone's Twitter, but this is the website you're actually talking about. Yeah, pull that tweet up. That's a good... <clears throat> this is... this, And then it mentioned that it was deleted afterwards. Yeah. Pull the tweet up, though, that you had. Uh, it's to your right. Yeah, so the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine has just deleted this from its website and all documents about the 11 Pentagon Fund of Bio Laboratories in Ukraine. I published all these documents, now deleted by the embassy that are here. So, so this is I mean, what they had deleted. Yeah. The U.S. Department of Defense's Biological Threat Reduction, Reduction Program collaborates with partner countries to counter the threat of outbreaks, deliberate, accidental, or natural the world's most dangerous infectious diseases. The program accomplishes its bio threat reduction mission through the development of bio risk management culture, international research partnerships, and the partner capacity for enhanced biosecurity, biosafety, and bio surveillance. Yeah, measures. so let me read this one line there. It says the priorities in Ukraine are to consolidate and secure patho pathogens and toxins. That means wow. they have them in order to teach the Ukrainians how to identify them in case of an attack. Look, the bottom line is the U.S. in collaboration, We have, here's the evidence, uh, from the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, 
says that we're in partnership with Ukraine operating bioweapons lab that contain these dangerous pathogens. Now, Jen Psaki just said, oh, well, I mean, they're so careful about this language. What she sure. said was the U.S. isn't conducting bioweapons or using, you know, chemical attacks, and we never do that. In fact, it's Russia that has done that. But, you know, I want to take issue with that because the most recent attacks of chemical weapons were in Syria. Now, I might remind the audience that the United States was fighting what's called a proxy war in Syria. And it really was more than a proxy war because we had real troops. A proxy war is where we are arming one side and giving aid to one side uh, to further whatever our, our ideals are in the conflict. In this case, we actually had troops in Syria. Well, the president of Assad, Bashar of Assad, president of Assad, president of Syria, Bashar al-Assad, uh, Assad was an ally of, guess who? Russia. So Russia sent troops in. Who were the people fighting in this so-called civil war? This wasn't a civil war. This was a created psyop that the CIA ran. It was ISIS. And, you know, we could do a whole show, but we've, we've talked about the fact that ISIS was created... In 2012, at a secret base in Jordan, the Jordanian president confirmed this. You could find the information. Seymour Hearst, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, New York Times, former New York Times journalist, uncovered this. ISIS was created by the CIA in the United States. Under Barack Obama's direction and John Brennan, then director of the CIA, in Jordan, the Jordanian president has confirmed this. So we create this terror group. And then you remember how slick the productions were of ISIS executions? I know we, we've sort of gone over we, that. Was, we have yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was in a Remember the London sound studio? Sound studio right. Yeah. They were the most slick. These guys are in the middle of the fucking desert, and their video and audio is 10 times better than ours, sitting <laughs> here in a right. real studio. Yeah. You know, with yeah. lighting was just perfect. Cell phone would have been just fine. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know. It's so insane. So we use these groups. Look, the United States doesn't carry it in, in Ukraine. We've already proven they use Nazis, mm -hmm. right? In the war on Syria, they use jihadists. They actually created an arm. You look at any picture of ISIS, all of their weapons are from the United States. Right. They're not carrying AKs. So the the Azov Battalion, I know we've kind of gone over a little bit, but that's an American-funded and created event well, like yeah. ISIS was. Well, we did the Maidan coup in 2014. Sure. Victoria Newland admits we put our own guy into Ukraine. Yes, and we've, we've shown the congressional record that we sent direct aid to Azov, not just to the Ukrainian army, to Azov. That's ridiculous. Trump ended it. In 2018, right, yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah. And guess what? It was started again under Biden. So it's playbook at this point. <laughs> right. So back to Syria, though. So Syria, with the ISIS groups fighting for the Western ideals are trying to overthrow Assad. So what happens? Assad attacks his own people with chemical weapons. Now, when I first saw this, I thought, on the face of it, it's ridiculous. The guy, you know, there's... 
Steve Bannon likes to talk about the different types of war. There's three different types. There's a kinetic war, which is what we're seeing with planes and tanks and troops and ammunition. There's a economic war, which is what you're seeing with the United States taking Russia out of the SWIFT mm. uh, bank transaction program. Then there's the information war, which is probably the biggest one. So Assad is fighting the information war. He's not stupid. He's got the whole Russia behind him, too. They're pumping out their own propaganda. So Assad, in the middle of this, where he's trying to convince the world that he's a decent guy, he goes and tax a bunch of children with chemical weapons in Syria. On the face of it, I thought, why would... I mean, you'd have to be a complete madman to do that. Well, that's what we painted him as. Oh, he's crazy. Same things have been said about Putin. Have you seen that? They right. literally psychiatrists and stuff. Oh, he's you know he's a paranoid schizophrenic. With His face is a lot bigger than it is. It's got yeah. to be uh, you know part mm -hmm. of a, uh, this sickness or that. All I'm pointing out. Look, you're getting propaganda from both sides. We're trying to give you the other side. Yeah. Now, in the actual gas attack. So there's a there was a group in Syria called the White Helmets. Now this particular group was seen. It was portrayed by the Western media as these great guys. They wore literally white helmets. Come on, they're the good guys. And it would show uh, like footage of them saving children, you know, pulling them out of buildings. And they were portrayed as the good guys fighting against the horrible Assad and the Putin backed Assad regime. So there was a video that the White Helmets released, and all, every European and United States media, CNN, they all picked it up. And it showed a video showing alleged victims of this chemical attack in the town of Douma in Syria. The U.S. and its allies used the video as a pretext to conduct a missile strike on Syria. Now, do you, you remember, this was in the Trump regime. I believe it was, he was elected in 26, I think it was in 2017. So it was not long after he was elected. At the time, I'm screaming on social media, this is a setup. It's something doesn't smell right. So the Russian TV channel released an exclusive interview on April 15th with a boy who participated in filming a fake video as evidence of the false flag chemical attack in Duma by the White House. In the interview, this child who's named Hassan Diab says that he and his mother heard loud voices on the street urging everyone to rush to the hospitals. When Hassan entered the hospital, unknown people grabbed him, poured water on him, and then put him with other patients. He says, we were in the basement. Mom told me that today we don't have anything to eat, but we'll eat tomorrow. We heard a cry outside calling, go to the hospital. We ran to the hospital, and as soon as I entered, they grabbed me and started pouring water on me. His father continued at the story. He was at work when he heard that his son was in the hospital. He rushed to the hospital, found his family there in good health. He added he was on the street smoking and didn't feel any chemical weapons. According to him, it turned out militants gave all the participants food, dates, cookies, and rice, and then released them. There were no chemical weapons. I smoked outside and felt nothing. I entered the hospital, saw my family. Militants gave them dates, cookies, and rice for participating in this film and released everyone to their homes. So that's just one of the pieces of evidence. This was a total fake setup, just like the ISIS execution videos. 
they faked, the white animals faked that a gas attack. There was no gas attack. Um, I mean, I could get into this a lot deeper, but there's an organization who is responsible. It's an, another NGO for uh, confirming or the evidence of chemical weapons attack. All they do is look into it, and they've determined, you can look it up anywhere, all of the so-called chemical weapon attacks perpetrated by Assad turned out to be fake. In the few instances where there actually was nerve gas used, it turns out it wasn't set by him. It was set by the militants. This is classic PSYOP. We did a whole episode on this. This is how we roll. What I think is hilarious is to see the U.S. now saying, this is what Russia does. They use things called false flag. It used to be if you used the term false flag, That's you were was, a nut. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, yeah, it's, it's just blatant. That's Alex Jones shit, man. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. People claiming that the U.S. uses a false flag attack. Well, I guess we should explain that. A false flag is where you, uh, and we talked about it in the PSYOP episode in detail, like how the anti-communists, they would uh, explode a bomb in Italy in the 50s and kill 200 people on the subway. Yeah. And then claim, they do a press release that's supposedly from the communists claiming that they did the attack. It's done all the time. It's just like 9-11. Within, I don't know, pretty soon after the attack, Al-Qaeda claims responsibility for it. Yeah. <laughs> now, why would you do that? You're going to bring down the whole might of the United States military? Point. I always wonder why they did that. Just, I mean, it seemed kind of dumb to me. Just be quiet. It's be pretty hard to trace that back. I keep telling people this is all propaganda, and it's amazing to me how many good people on both sides you know whether you're a liberal whether you're a democrat or whatever those stupid fucking things mean whether you're a republican or a uh democrat left right i mean i'm looking fox news is a great example tucker carlson mm -hmm. has reported extensively on the stuff we just went over yeah i watched a video of his the other day yeah he's talking about the same stuff so. i don't see him lasting long at fox i i mean the only reason he's still there in my opinion is he's by far the number one rated show. Yeah. Even guys like Jesse Waters, who's a, you know, and Sean Hannity, mm -hmm. they're both all in on the Putin bad. I mean, this is just like orange man bad. And isn't it interesting that Trump was tied to Russia? I mean, if you said anything pro-Trump, you're a Russian bot on Twitter. And it's all this neoconservative propaganda bullshit that's been going on since mm -hmm. 1991 or 92, and it just hasn't ended, and it's time to end it. Sure. The neocons are dying. They're losing. Look, if MAGA and America First, Trump, I don't, you know, honestly, I hope Trump doesn't. I don't really even like Trump. I'm just yeah. being honest with you. Yeah. And I, I think he's made just, just horrible blunders and the people he pulled around him like uh, Bolton, who's the ultimate neocon. That's the problem is the neocons, you notice they don't leave administration to administration. Sure. I mean, Victoria Newland's still there. Right, yeah. Now, I don't know what she did under Trump, but I'm sure she held some position. You might find that out, but the neocons hold a lot of power, and they're the ones that are pushing the buttons of the media. Look, the neocons are backed up by the intel services. 
Why? First of all, we talked about this, Russell, how you've got to keep a job. I mean, when the Cold War ended, remember we talked about what are all these literally tens of thousands of dedicated foreign policy experts, intel experts, agents of the CIA, what are they going to do now that the Cold War ended? You've got to create more boogeymen. You have to create conflict. They're all about creating conflict. Now, they'll tell you, what does it say? Oh, no, this is, this is assuming Trump gets elected. This is the wrong Oh, I got you. Well, that's all right. So they'll tell you that they're doing it to push democratic values, but their actions show different. So, you know, the, the, my whole point in this video is that it's a psyop. The whole Russia-Ukraine thing is a psyop. And, and Russia, in my opinion, is trying... Look, if they go to the UN Security Council and they're laying out the evidence that they have, and I guarantee you they've got video, they've got documents, uh, I don't... I, I think that they're going to probably make a strong case. But the U, here's what the U.S. is going to counter. They're going to deny, deny, deny. And it's really sad because I love my country, bro. But it's really sad when I trust Putin as much as I trust Victoria Nuland. Mm, says a lot. I, I do love my country, but I don't trust the people in charge. I don't trust the neocons. Well, they've been caught. I mean, it's not just this. They've been caught so oh, many man. times doing stuff. And to think that it's going to be any different this time. I know. You know, without, we're just giving the benefit of doubt. We're kind of past that at this point. Yeah, we really are. So, um, you know, the, the last thing we'll talk about is this, the latest thing is that the, the UN Security Council is meeting at Russia's request to discuss what Moscow claims the military biological activities of the United States on the territory of Ukraine. Uh, the request was announced to Deputy UN Ambassador after the Biden administration rejected Russians' accusation that Ukraine is running chemical and military bioweapons lab with U.S. support. It says Russia has been actively spreading disinformation about the U.S. manufacturing. But then we just proved that the embassy in Ukraine, the United States embassy, said they're running these labs. I mean, right. they said it. I mean, I don't think I've seen a case where we have looked more foolish as a government than we do right now. I mean, no, I it's, agree. Yeah. And it, you know, the, the only other kind of historical thing, besides the Syrian attacks, you go back to the anthrax, anthrax attacks in uh, 2001. Do you remember that? Uh, after 9-11, 2001. Look at this. They did it after Syria as well. And uh, guess UN what? Meeting, I'm sure they and guess what? Those attacks were proved to not be from Syria, from Assad. They've been proven that. Nobody will deny that. There's nobody that still clings to the idea that Assad gassed his own people particularly after that video of the boy and his mother and his father. It's like, hey, we just wanted food. We were hungry. They gave us dates and rice. So they call, you know? for, this, they call for this meeting. And, uh, I mean, what, are, what can we realistically expect? Well, it's going to be more the same. It's going to be he said, she said, you know. We're going to deny it. Uh, Russia's going to show evidence. But, look, there's a a concerted this the censorship started long before russia called for this 
RT's been banned from what? YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, any Russian media source has been banned. I mean, it's so obvious what they're doing. What Once again, what's distressing to me are that so many people who have been calling the media out for their lies, like the Russian collusion hoax, the uh, impeachment hoax, the January 6th hoax, which Veritas just got on uh, record, the major Security Council, the New York Times reporter, saying that the media completely overhyped January 6th, that it wasn't coordinated, it was full of FBI informants. So... Anyway, back to the anthrax attacks, just really quickly. The government, there were several anthrax attacks that actually led to deaths after 9-11. This was a biological weapon that was sent in envelopes to different people, including U.S. senators. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and the very first guy was a, I think it was a mail clerk or something, opened the envelope, and he ended up dying. At the end of the day, after 10 years, the FBI said they had solved the crime and that they laid it to a guy named Ivans who did work in the uh, Dugway Proving Grounds. He did work with anthrax, but it turns out Frontline, which is a PBS program, along with several other uh, mainstream media sources, did a deep dive investigation into this and found that Ivan supposedly committed suicide they said it turns out the evidence is all circumstantial that the government put out. And as a matter of fact, there were many things leading to the idea that he wasn't responsible for the attack. For instance, the government's main piece of evidence, they said he provided an anthrax sample that he said would lead us to the culprit. Well, it turns out it wasn't the right sample. What they neglected to report, he provided them with two other samples that was as well, and one of them turned out to be the strain that was used in the attacks. So it would be like a murderer providing his weapon for a ballistic test to police. Would they do that? No, of course not. So once again, a guy is suicided. The government lays blame on him. He's dead. He can't defend himself. My point is our own government sent the anthrax. Wow. It's And, and the people they sent it to were people that were questioning the narrative on the 9-11 attacks. And I think one of the next shows we need to do is on 9-11. It's time keep to... Keep talking about no, it. No, I know. I and I've, I've got the research there. I'm ready to go. We'll dive into that rabbit hole. But, you know, I think, I think we've beat this horse. And, you know, once again, we'll say it again. We're not Russian apologists, but we want you to have both sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. If you don't have both sides... You and can't make an informed decision, right? To be totally honest with you, I don't know which. I, I think that both sides are just playing playing like a fiddle, you know? It's, no, they're it's, both propagandizing. They're both the best propagandists other than maybe China yeah. uh, in the world. And so... It's what we do, man. It's how we yeah, run. Yeah, so how do, you, how do you really pick... you got to look at the history, I think, is the best way to pick apart what's And that's my point. You know, when you look at the history, who has been responsible for using chemical weapons actually our side. Now, Saddam Hussein did use them on the Kurds in Iraq, so we're told. And I, and I do believe that because I've seen testimony of Kurds. I was actually in that part of Iraq, and I spent a month with a bunch of Kurds 
Christian Kurds they in northern Iraq. Did you ask them about it? I did ask them about it, and they said, yeah, he did attack our people. As a matter of fact, one guy had family members that died, and they all had new people that died. One of these guys was head of security for a large Russian oil company. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah, he was head of security and HR, like. He had to plan all the evacuation. That's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. We'll go into that. I would too. like to hear you. Yeah, it was pretty cool. The, the Iraq was a very interesting trip. So I think we've covered. I hope we've given you guys something to think about. You know, do your own research on this. Look into the Syrian gas attacks. And I think you'll find, as I have, that they were false flags. And if they were, who do we believe now? When Jin Psaki says, no, it's not us, it's Russia. Well, really? You guys said this. Back in 2010 or 11, whenever actually it was more like the last one was under Trump. I think it was 2016 when he's recently elected. All right, brother. That's a good one, man. We will see you guys next time. Check us out. Please subscribe. It really helps us. I know you guys hear that all the time. Smash that like button, but do all that stuff. It really does help us. We're trying to keep this show rolling. We provide you with the most up-to-date information with historical context and that's how we roll yep all right bro awesome see you next time man